When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just like that, the second hour is here for the Monday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we say thank you. And if you're watching online, streaming live at Outkick.com, but also at on YouTube, you can subscribe to the channel there and get all of the access to all of the shows. Just search out Outkick on YouTube. Chad, uh, there is an ESPN executive who believes that Mel Kuyper should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I am i don't disagree. There is now a contributor wing of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Ed Sable was selected five, six years ago, I believe now, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I do think, based on where we are with NFL draft coverage and how Mel Kuyper Jr. started in at his home in Baltimore in a basement with like VCR like tapes going through and dissecting all of this as the quote-unquote draft analyst and what it has become, we're absolutely going to see that. And, you know, it's a it's a discussion point because the ESPN exec is saying it, previewing and then recapping what we've seen. That's via front office sports. But the way it's grown and the event and the it's a totally different season for the league. And he's been the face of the NFL draft for all of it, for all of their coverage. There's no disputing his impact on the media portion of the draft and the game and the name recognition and all of that. The the contributors wing, how many people in there? Ed Sable was an NFL employee. You know, he was with NFL Films, but it was a, a, a wing of the NFL. So I'm trying to see now how many of the contributors are just with networks that are a partner with the NFL. Yeah, but that, I mean, I think that's where we're headed. I mean... Um, there's no reason why, you know, Al Michaels won't be there, right? If you start to think of the media members and the voices of the league, you know, Pat Summerall comes to mind, paired with John Madden. Those who, like, pave the way for where the league is, where they're getting a billion dollars for one game a week from Amazon Prime. And it's, I mean, the... The numbers dwarf yeah, anything that we're seeing I, in the offseason, too. I... <laughs> We had a buddy who would always ask, what's the criteria, right? We got, we got to know the criteria for this because right now all I'm seeing are NFL employees uh, on this list. Pete Rozelle, you got commissioners, you've got owners, you've got GMs. Yeah. Um, well, they're, they're going back. I mean, they have to go back a ways in guys who have not been in, and that's how they're getting the owners in, right? So, like, yeah. and, 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 and commissioners. So, I mean, there's – there's a, li- a long list of not coaches or players. You know, that this is how they're going to get scouts in, for instance. Yeah, I mean, here's I, I can read you. It's a pretty short list, actually. The, it started the, in 2014, I believe. The list right now, um, uh, Tech Schramm was in 1991. Pete Rozelle, 1985. There, there are others that are listed as contributors that were enshrined many years ago. But now they have this, they form their own subcommittee. Yeah, Wellington Mara, 1997, Jim Finks, 1995, Joe Carr, 1963, 
Charles Bidwell, 1967, Burt Bell, 1963, Bobby Beathard, <clears throat> Eddie DeBartolo, George Hallis, Lamar Hunt, Jerry Jones, Curly Lambeau, a lot of owners, GMs, scouts, and Ed Sable right now. Well, is is who's on the but a lot of list. those a lot of those from previous to 2014 were coaches. And coaches were on the modern era candidacy prior to when they did this. And the the goal was to like allow more to get in if you're only going to have five modern era candidates that actually get in as players, then you're well, never I, going to I vote wanted, the coach over the player. I wanted to look that up only to see if they're starting to go down that that path. If they do, yeah, he should be in as a media member, as one of the most impactful media members covering the NFL. Yeah. That was a trailblazer in the art of covering the NFL draft and helping to make it as big as it is today. But now I, that I see the list and see all the ones that have to be added before him, he will be long gone before he's enshrined uh, at the Pro well, Football Hall of Fame. But one day, yeah, I'm all for that happening the moment they start bringing in broadcasters. But And I love Mel Kuyper. There are so many broadcasters. Oh, sure. I'm going down the list and putting in before Mel Kuyper that have covered the league. But it, it is tough to say uh, if you start listing off faces on TV that when you see them, you think of one thing. You know, there are plenty of broadcasters who will call all sports, right? Yeah. Um, he's the NFL draft guy. He, There's yeah, no doubt. He's the draft. And it is 11 million viewers for their coverage up, what, 13% or whatever it is, whatever they are pushing. They have 30-something million total over the, over the course of the weekend. Um, that's remarkable. And the way it is spread out to where it's not just ESPN any longer, it's ABC, NFL Network, all the streaming, the streaming services. I was watching a lot of their coverage um, with Cynthia Freeland. You know, that, they're hanging out in Los Angeles doing online only. Um, it is crazy. The, uh, th- what it has become based on where it was. Yeah, and, I, I, I and think... the hype behind it is a lot, has a lot to do with Mel Kuyper. He should be in it. It's going to be a long time before that happens because there's a lot of other broadcasts. Yeah. They, haven't ha- they don't have one. Well, the one broadcasting person in that contributors list is Ed Sable, who's the NFL Films guy. So they've got a lot of names to go through before they get to Mel Kuyper. But the moment you get into draft coverage... Mel Kuyper's the one. Well, they he do. is the top guy. He's the one name you bring up and you immediately think NFL draft. But they do have like the Pete Rosell radio TV writing award. Yeah, John McClain's in it. Yeah, John McClain's on the when you first walk through in Canton, his he is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in that wing. So I don't know if uh, they're categorizing him Kuyper now as a contributor or if they're going to start doing this because what they've got, they've got uh, Howard Katz, who was there last year. He was with NFL Films. And previous to that, it was John Facenda. You know, the voice, the oh, booming yeah. voice of NFL Films. Uh, but Joe Buck is on, is on that list already. Well, and I think John would tell us this. That's kind of JV Hall of Fame with that wing of the Hall of Fame. It's not full-on enshrinement that's where bust they put their, in the Hall of Fame. That's where they put their broadcasters, though. Yeah. Well, I... I look, Let's save this question for John because I think there's an argument to be made on this contributors list that it can cross over and get the top name synonymous with the league and pro football or the draft to be on that list. I'm not asking for a ton, but some of the top guy, Pat Summerall, you brought up, Hutton is a great example. Some of those guys you could see getting in there one day. So maybe that'll happen. We'll ask John about it because he's the expert 
on all things Pro Football Hall of Fame. The man is a Hall of Famer himself. No doubt. He's in multiple Hall of Fames. Well, Dylan Brooks is far from Hall of Fame worthy. No. Uh, LeBron, certainly, he's there. And the King, I mean, Dylan Brooks had to bow to him based on what we saw in this series. And it wasn't even close after the trash talk of Game 2. Saying, hey, you know, uh, you're old. Talk to me when you're putting up 40, a 40 spot. And that was when the Grizzlies had actually tied the series 1-1, headed back to L.A. And then that's all she wrote. Because Brooks didn't show up on the road after that. And not only did he not show up on the road, he, he didn't show up in the press conference afterward, which is a total weak beta move yeah. from Dylan Brooks. Run that mouth. Talk your talk after you win one game in a playoff series. Talk all that talk before you even play LeBron James in the playoff series. And you and your team could not respond. This is a troubling trend with the Memphis Grizzlies. I know people in that city worship that team, and they should. But they are a team that is in need of some maturity, and they need to grow up. John Morant is the top example of that. He has got to grow into his own. He's got to be a better pro. And Dylan Brooks running his mouth to the leading scorer in the history of the NBA after they win one playoff game and then setting off a chain of events that eventually leads to them just getting absolutely destroyed yes. in L.A. in an elimination game is a terrible look for Dylan Brooks and in turn a terrible look for the Memphis Grizzlies. He's a free agent. I don't think the Grizzlies will re-sign him. I think, I think he'll move on. I think that this was all that bad, honestly. The way this thing played out and him being fined for ducking the press conference is bad. Hutton brought it up also. Him saying he wants to be used differently – well, you can be used differently in Portland or wherever else you go because not wanted there anymore would be my guess. Yeah, and, and this is the difference between Dylan Brooks and Draymond Green. Draymond Green is wanted everywhere. And, and it's also, right? yeah. I mean, you want him on your team. No I'm one not, likes Dylan Brooks. I, I, that's, the, that's the sense I get. Now, he may fit what Memf- the persona that Memphis wants to put out there with the grind city and all that. That fits, but then you have to back it up. Right, and you can't just you know cower to you know a bad result and not speak to the media afterwards and just take the fine. Oh, no doubt. Face the and, music, and, and not and not just that. I mean, let's look at two different franchises and how they conducted themselves in these playoffs. Kings, Grizzlies. Kings lost in seven games, yep. but they went to Golden State. They went to San Francisco and won a game six to force a game seven. They got beat by one of the greatest players ever, and they Steph for- Curry, and they forced that guy to have a team meeting about it. And they, and they got beat by Steph, one of the greatest players of all time, right, in a Game 7. Yes. It, it happens. They're a young team that's building. Their fans are chanting Sacramento at the end of a 20-point loss in a Game 7 at home. There are brighter days ahead for that team. There can be brighter days ahead for Memphis. But I'll ask you, Hutton, who do you feel better about moving forward, the Kings and their core of players and the way they conduct themselves against champions or the Grizzlies and their core guys and the way they conducted themselves late in the season and against a champion in LeBron James? It's easy. It's a, no, no question it's Sacramento. Uh, because with Memphis, all the questions have to do with off the court. Uh, starting with Ja Morant, where you know anyone else around Ja is taking the blame for it, including his parents, no longer. I mean, now it's on Ja Morant to yep. step up and be that guy and, and be accountable and get rid of all of the extracurricular stuff if you're going to be great. He's already a great player, but just a considered one of the greats. He's got that type of talent. And then you have Brooks, who loves to chirp, and then post-series chirps about him not wanting, uh, him, him not liking the way he was used. I mean, 
he's being exactly who he is, and he's already calling his shot saying, hey, if I come back, if I go anywhere, I'm going to continue to talk. I don't think that makes Memphis, you know, uh, scared of Dylan Brooks and what he's bringing to the team. But at the same time, I mean, there's an accountability aspect to it. And he woke up the monster. Not just LeBron James, by the way. He woke up that team that following game in game three where Anthony Davis, who didn't play well in game two, comes back and just has a, a, a great performance in that game three. And then they, they no-show as a team with a 40-point loss to L.A. after that series. That, that is what speaks volumes. They've got to shake something up there. And, and I'm all for you know, guys being themselves. But you can't tell me that you, know, you being yourself is, I'm going to go kick the sleeping dog where he lies and that sleeping dog is someone who's definitely got the dog in them, and that's LeBron James. Right. And it's going to kickstart a big run in a playoff series. That's not just being you. That's being stupid. Yeah. So if you want to play with an edge, if you want to talk some trash in-game, that's fine. But if you're going to put a microphone in front of your face and badmouth one of the greatest of all time as you're playing them early in a playoff series, and then you get destroyed and then you duck out on the press conference, I've got no sympathy for that. And that's not something I'd want in my organization if I'm the Memphis Grizzlies. Maybe this is exactly what they want. And if that's the case, maybe they like getting put out in the first round every year so they can continue doing that. But I feel very differently about one team that got put out in the first round, the Kings, as opposed to another in the Warriors. De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, DeMontis Sabonis, I don't feel that way about the core with the Kings the way I do about the Grizzlies right now. They've got to shape up. They've got to get it right. They've got a good team. They've got one that can win an NBA championship eventually. But they got to be pros. And there's nothing professional about Dylan Brooks calling out LeBron James the way he did. And there's certainly nothing that's been professional they, about John Morant's entire season. They can't even stay overnight in certain cities. No. Because they're so unprofessional on the road. They got to get out of town in a plane John right Morant, after. The Grizzlies have admitted that. It'll lock the guy in his hotel room to make sure he gets some sleep. Chad, one of, one of the storylines that ESPN pushed over in post-first round was the, the three black quarterbacks drafted in the top four picks, which we said on Friday we didn't even notice. It wasn't even a thing or a headline for us. Whenever they started to come off the board, the best quarterbacks were drafted where they were drafted. Well, uh, in, I don't know if this is to stir the pot or if this is just a reaction to the entire draft as a whole. But the podcast, The Right Time with Bomani Jones, Dominic Foxworth was a guest and had this to say about the current NFL stance on quarterbacks and race. There's going to be some rule changes in the NFL. They're going to do something. And you may be looking at me like I'm crazy, but wait till I explain something to you. Then you're going to be like, yep, they about to fix this. Who's the best quarterback in football? Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Who's the two highest paid players in all the league? Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. Uh -huh. Who are the first three quarterbacks drafted in this draft? Black dudes. Yep, something's oh. going down. We got a rule change coming down hey, the hey, pipe. Hey, guys, as crazy as you think this is, I'll never forget the first time I saw Harry ever speak, and he was talking about the quarterback situation. And when Vic Culpepper, you know, that run of dudes started coming, what they did was they started making those punitive rough-in-the-passer penalties where if you just touch the guy on the helmet, that you got 15 yards because they had to slow up those defensive backs. Guys, it turned into a problem when can't nobody even talk themselves into Will Levis. 
right? Like something has fundamentally changed. And so you might be listening to this and thinking that Dominique is arguing that the NFL is just flat out, I hate black people racist. No, it's a different type of racism. It's because they think that you are yes. I hate black people type of racist. They know that the stars of this entertainment property are the quarterbacks. That is who the people who are three degrees of removed from you, who is a super fan, they don't know nobody but four or five quarterback names. And you know what they believe? The same way the NBA is probably concerned about all these international players, they know that the stars that sell consistently or that they have known to sell consistently are tall white dudes. The secret sauce for viewership is white. That's the unspoken part of the rise of the popularity in women's college basketball. They ain't just still got white girls. They cold. Something you can root for. They need to go down to the lower levels. And I don't know if it's baseball. I don't know if it's soccer. I don't know what these cold white dude athletes are playing, but they need to get them to start playing quarterback so that we can get some more Josh Allens and Joe yes. Herbert. Uh, Joe Herbert. I'm combining Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. You need to get some more of them in the league because if we get to a situation where it's a bunch of Lamar Jacksons and Jalen Hurts to face the league, the NFL is going to be concerned, not because they care who their labor is. It's because they think that's y'all Yo, who they gonna, they gonna get so desperate somebody gonna try to get Mike Trout to convert I mean I, and that was Bamani Jones and Dominic Foxworth Chad did uh, did they did they leave out Patrick Mahomes on purpose the face of the NFL I don't know is that racist to leave him I out mean, by them? Is it because it's not, uh, Joe Burrow? And is it because he's Justin a mixed Herbert. race that they leave him out? Are they being racist in that? Here's the problem: if you were searching for treachery and racism around every corner, or you were seeking to constantly be offended by someone spouting racism or crying about that at all times, this is what you turn into: are these two dudes that are making a completely incoherent argument that absolutely makes no sense and is not based in fact at all. How, how does creating rules to protect quarterbacks in some way racist at the moment that more black quarterbacks are entering the league? I don't follow the logic of what they're saying. They talked about when Michael Vick and Dante Culpepper came in, they started having rough in the passer rules. Okay? They benefit from that too. What, what am I missing on increased. that? It's, it's, an, it's an issue of trying to protect the biggest investment on each team, the quarterback, whether that quarterback be white or black. We just had three quarterbacks go in the top five. And as Hutton, as you'd mentioned, we'd said it the day. ESPN brings to our attention that all three are black. I didn't even think about that as a thing. That's a sign of how much progress we've made. The one smart thing they said in that, and it was a passing comment, is that, yes, race played a big part in women's basketball ascension with Caitlin Clark and an all-white Iowa team. Mm -hmm. I'm not denying that because it's a sport – Wait for it. We talk about representation all the time that a lot of white people probably watch and don't feel that represented when they watch the game. So here's this group of corn-fed white chicks that are dominating the game and some girl who looks like their niece out there dropping 40 on people and they might tune in a little bit more. It's no different than a black person that wants to tune in to shows or movies or sports at times where they feel more represented. That's not racism. That's representation that everyone's constantly preaching. That's what that is. It's not being racist. 
You don't root against the team that's all black because they're black. You may watch more because someone looks like you that's playing the sport. But here's the beauty of the NFL. No one gives a damn. They watch it no matter what. Go look at some of the top-rated games of all time. I guarantee you they feature black quarterback Patrick Mahomes in some of those games. He's in every commercial break on TV. He gets every bit the attention, the commercials, the money that Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers or any of these tall white dudes that you mentioned have ever received. This is not a racist thing. You know what we like in the NFL? Good quarterbacks. You know what there are a lot of in the NFL right now? Good black quarterbacks. That is great. No one's watching and thinking, I'm not going to root for them because they're black. You are creating something that doesn't exist. And this is a lesson. If you're constantly trying to be outraged or constantly looking for racism or treachery around every corner, you're going to find it even when it doesn't exist. I wish this stuff would go away. Yeah, and they, they so much. also leave out the highest paid player, which is Deshaun Watson uh, yeah. with the fully guaranteed contract. And Lamar Jackson's the other... <laughs> Highest paid player based on annual salary. Yeah, but that, I mean, they you go through Lamar Jackson and, and Hertz, and you start to stack all these contracts up, and you know no one's coming close. Even the white dudes not even coming close to what Deshaun Watson received and, and, in Cleveland. And give me a break. The league's going to change the rules to appease some you know made up group of racist football fans no. that only want to see white quarterbacks. So now we got to make a rule that benefits white quarterbacks over. What are we talking about? You're you're bringing us racist only to the the race of a single position well, with if, ten others on the field. If you want to preach progressive and being progressive and progressing, stop pulling everything back forty years. <laughs> yeah, we are progressing. The fact that we just saw a draft and no one even thought that the first three quarterbacks were black is progress. Well, and, and so somehow, let's stop putting somehow putting the truck in reverse and, and going beep, yeah. beep, beep. Oh, now the league's going to come back and change the rules to benefit the whites. Give me a break, guys. Come on. Coming up, Armando Salguero will join us. He was in Kansas City. He's back. And there's a lot to break down from the big headlines over the first specifically the first two days of the draft. we got Armando's take next on Hot Mike. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Armando Salguero joins us on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Armando with Nissan Stadium in the background. Uh, Will Levis, a big talking point. And a talking point for ESPN, Armando, was the three quarterbacks in the top four, all black. I didn't even notice it. Did you? <laughs> well, I couldn't help but notice it because I was in the uh, draft uh, interview room and the same reporter, mm. time after time after time, asked the same question of the three black quarterbacks. How does it feel to be 
making history as a black quarterback being drafted atop the NFL draft. And uh, it was fine that I guess that's that's the narrative that you're going to go with the, you know, identity politics thing. I loved Anthony Richardson's answer. And his answer was, well, I love that we were drafted one after another, but not because we're black. I love that we were drafted because we've been through a lot together. We have a, you know, we're guy, we're very close to each other. We've known each other since uh, the elite quarterback camps back in the day. And it wasn't about race for him. It was about relationship for him. I'm sure at least someone, though, would have been about race had Will Levis gone fourth and not Anthony Richardson. He fell to the second round uh, if it was reversed. But it wasn't reversed, Armando, and you've got Will Levis now with a Titans, second pick of the second round. When you compare the two spots now, those quarterbacks are in. Both have questions about their play in college. Uh, there's more personality questions about Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. By all accounts, he seems like a, a great young guy. And Will Levis, there are some questions about his personality and attitude. But in terms of landing spot and position of where they're going to start their career, who got it better, Will Levis or Anthony Richardson? I think Anthony Richardson got it better. And that's because he is now under the tutelage of Shane Steichen, who, I don't know, the last couple of years he developed Justin Herbert. And then he got bored with that and went and developed Jalen Hurts. <laughs> and then he got bored with that. And now he's the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. So the track record is there. And the track record is there in addressing quarterbacks that come to you not ready-made and with some serious questions. I think people forget that Justin Herbert was not the second pick of the 2020 draft. Uh, Justin Herbert was drafted, I believe, sixth overall, and he was the third quarterback picked after Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa. And the reason that happened is because people said, well, he's too shy, he's too introverted, his accuracy is not all that great. And Shane took that, you know, pile of of clay of clay and molded it in the elite quarterback right now. And so uh, I'm thinking that whatever he did there, I'm definitely believing that he can do with Anthony Richardson. Armando, which of these, of, of the drafts did you look at and go, what are they thinking here? Where, where is this team going versus what they should be doing? Yeah, uh, the New York Jets, oddly enough. So the Jets, you know, they went out and got some quarterback. Uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah, you know, the 37 or 38 Ryan Fitzpatrick, guy. yeah, great, great player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, they make this big splash with Aaron Rodgers, and you figure, okay, well, the best thing for Aaron Rodgers is to protect Aaron Rodgers. And – you figured that they would do that at the offensive tackle position and they didn't. And so now what's going to happen is they've got Makai Becton as the starting right tackle who is unreliable and has been unreliable for years. 
and they've got 37-year-old Dwayne Brown as the starting left tackle. And did I mention he's 37 years old? And God bless him. Uh, you know, he's he's been a great player throughout his career, but he's 37 years old. So if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm looking down that depth chart when I get to camp. Actually, he's already at their workouts this offseason. And I make really good friends with the third tackle on the roster because my guess is that third tackle will be playing for the New York Jets at some point in 2023. And Aaron Rodgers needs them to be really good. Which day two quarterback selection did you like more? Will Levis behind Ryan Tannehill or Hendon Hooker now the backup in Detroit? I just, let me just say this. Philosophically, I love what the Tennessee Titans did because they went and got aggressive and found a quarterback that supposedly will be their quarterback of the future, if not their quarterback competition of the future with Malik Willis next year. So that philosophically makes a lot of sense to me. But realistically, I'm with Withrow right here. I, I don't like the guy that much. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan. Go on. I, yes. Keep going. Keep going, Armando. The, yeah. There, there's something off there that I just can't wrap my arms around. And plus, if I tried, he'd push me away anyway, because he's not that warm leader brotherhood type guy. It doesn't feel like to me. So that's my problem there. It's not about the stats. You know, he threw 23 uh, interceptions his last two seasons at Kentucky. Well, Peyton Manning threw 23 interceptions his last two seasons at Tennessee, and that wasn't an issue. And Dan Marino threw a bunch of interceptions at Pitt his senior season, and that wasn't an issue. It's a it's a, a character personality thing that I that I have some some questions about. I have no such questions about Hendon Hooker. None. That guy is a leader. He is and the guy that is a leader of men and will display that display that in college at two schools and will display that in the NFL. And so I just happen to like the Hendon Hooker pick more than I do the Will Levis pick. And I know you're with us. You we really like the C.J. Stroud selection by Houston. They got it right. They, At the end of all this, maybe they were always channeling C.J. Stroud at number two, but they took the quarterback. And you, you, you were a part of our discussion last week of, don't overthink this. Stop being Houston Texans football and, and change up the line of thinking and how they go about building their roster. And they got it right, regardless of if you agree or not to move back up and get Will Anderson they took the player at two that they should have. Yeah, you guys had an outstanding guest last week who said that regardless of mm-hmm. who is picking, C.J. Stroud would be the number two overall pick. Um, what was that guy's name? Nailed it. Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. also. He's a great guest on the show as well. <laughs> <laughs> Does it all. So good, good job, Armando. Well played. No, I like the fact that they did that, and I like the fact that they went back 
and got Will Anderson. Uh, it, it was a meeting of the minds between the Texans and the Arizona Cardinals because you've got the Texans that are in that spot where they they have a lot of draft resources from the Deshaun Watson trade, and it's time for them to start turning draft resources into really good players. Meanwhile, the Arizona Cardinals are going to suck yeah. in 2023, and so I think they know this. And so they now gather draft resources for 2024. And by the way, by moving down, they still got an outstanding offensive tackle in Paris Johnson. So they did good. Houston did good by grabbing those two guys. And I like C.J. Stroud. I think C.J. Stroud is going to be a good quarterback. Let's compare and contrast again with the two running backs taken in the first round because these are two of the more divisive picks in that first round. I like the Bijan Robinson pick for the Falcons, but critics will point out that the Falcons were a great rushing team a year ago with Cordero Patterson, and you didn't need to invest a top 10 pick in a running back with Bijan Robinson. And then the Lions take Jameer Gibbs way higher than even Jameer Gibbs thought he was going to go in the NFL draft, and they later trade away DeAndre Swift, so you know he's the guy now in Detroit. Which of those two moves, Armando, did you like better than the other? Did you like either of them? Did you like both of them? Yeah, uh, so let's, let's, let's establish this. I think Jameer Gibbs is a good player. I really do. Uh, you know, he's got the pedigree. He's got the production, the tape, the, you know, the, the character, the whole deal. I just don't like, I don't think it's a good value. Um, I, I, Jameer Gibbs at number 12 overall? And they couldn't trade down and do this? Because I think they could have. And they'll say that they couldn't have because someone would have grabbed them. Okay, I still don't like it because I don't think it's, it's a good value. Um, I like the Robinson pick. I like it where it happened. I think that uh, Arthur Smith will make good use of it, of him. It, and I don't see it as a depth chart thing. I see it as a matchup thing for the Falcons in that that guy, he will be on the field at the same time as Cordero, Cordell Patterson at times next year, Chad. So it's, it's, it's a spacing matchup thing for Arthur Smith. And that guy is a playmaker and a playmaker at multiple positions. So he is going to, as a playmaker, I think they are defined by the many plays that they make. And if the Falcons can get themselves together with their quarterback situation with uh, Ritter, they're going to be fine. Armando, is, did anyone have a better weekend than Lamar Jackson? He signs that contract. He gets paid. Uh, no agent or with an agent. He's still the highest paid player on average annual value right now at $52 million. Plus, they go and in, invest in Zay Flowers, who is immediately FaceTiming with Odell Beckham Jr. What do you make of the weekend of Baltimore? Yeah, the weekend of Baltimore for Lamar Jackson includes $7.8 million in agent fees that he saved himself because <laughs> basically he his contract, right? Yeah. Jalen Hurts, his agent, basically negotiated Lamar Jackson's contract 
plus a million or plus two million. <laughs> you know, it's like whatever he got, let's add a million and I'm there. And so God bless him for that. Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham Jr. now uh, with Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews. That's yeah, that's that's a nice little, uh, you know, passing game. Assuming that Lamar is healthy in November, December, and January. I don't like the fact that they didn't address their defensive backfield. Uh, they're going to need to sign a veteran corner here pretty soon. Armando, um, thanks for all the great coverage uh, of last week. It was outstanding at Outkick, and uh, hopefully you're eating something other than barbecue today. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I'm kind of barbecued out, to be honest with you. A lot of different ways you can do that, but I mean that's all Kansas City does, right? He's working on his own burnt ends recipe yeah. right now that he got back to Florida. He's like, I, yeah, I, I it's can like do this. Barbecued pork, barbecued beef, barbecued <laughs> chicken. It's like, do you people like, I don't know, stew anything Nothing. or like <laughs> pasta? <laughs> Armando's calling butchers in Florida trying to find a whole hog right now, feeling like he can do it himself after a week of consuming KC barbecue, South Beach style. Yes. Armando, thank you, man. All right, man. Armando Salguero, Outkick's uh, senior NFL writer who joins us on Thursdays. We'll catch back up with him later this week. And it's been a uh, great discussion with him over the draft and recapping what we saw over the weekend today. I find barbecue to be like pizza in that I could always find myself in the mood for it. It's one of those foods that it's got enough well, variation. Yes, that's it. Not the same thing. Of what you can order. Yeah, yeah but yeah. like if you were going to go barbecue restaurant – or just go pizza. You can get the different top. Like you can you can mix it up enough to where it doesn't feel like the same thing over and over, and it's all very delicious. Chad, somehow the Toronto Maple Leafs are, are crying poor when it comes to their broadcast team, and we'll give an example of this. Plus, uh, tough the times in Canada. Bruins play-by-play voice Jack Edwards, and one of the worst calls you'll hear as the Bruins are eliminated and what he compared the loss to and just how odd it all sounds. That's straight ahead on Hot Mike. Hot Mike rolls on with Hunt and Withrow. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Chad, you know how I have a, I just have a disdain for hotels that, you know, claim that they're saving the environment for not coming in and you know changing out yeah. towels and stuff, right? Convenient to be convenient excuses to be lazy. Right, it's all whatever you want to do there, but not just be lazy. They don't want to tell you that hey, we're not going to clean your stuff because we're saving money. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. They don't have as many uh, laundry loads to worry about based on that, and they're just flat out telling you with a little note in your bathroom. There's one example: the Toronto Maple Leafs won a playoff series for the first time in 19 years. And here they, they, their radio play-by-play voice, um, Joe Bowen, he is, he's got the game-winning call. And he got it wrong. And the, the way he describes it is, they score, they score. Holy Mackinac, they score. Morgan Riley, Mo, 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 Mo Riley. The Leafs have won it. They're going to the second round. It was John Tavares, though, who scored off a deflection. And he started to get crushed by this from fans on social media, saying, like, this is, you know, you know this is awful fan criticism. 
Um, turns out he's having to call this off a monitor because the team's not traveling their radio crew in the postseason. And they're saving like roughly $10,000 by not doing this per series to do it. Like if this were the Atlanta Thrashers and they were you know, crying poor, at some point you're like, okay, they're about to bolt. But we're talking about Toronto in this. And it's just for the fan base to hear that and for the announcer to have to call this off. And he admitted, he's like, hey, well, I'm calling this game off a monitor and it looked like, it looked like Riley scored the goal. My apologies. Um, I feel for these guys, man, because a lot of they stopped traveling during COVID. And then these companies said, hey, we're going to continue to save money. Uh, And the biggest companies, some of the biggest companies are crying poor when the fact is they're not. They're just not spending money so they can keep it in their pocket. Instead of delivering for sports fans. It's ridiculous. And here's what bothers me more than anything about it is I'm sure they're receiving instruction to not say that they're not traveling throughout the broadcast. And he only could say this after the fact because he was getting crushed. I hate the fakeness about that. Yeah. Hey, let's pretend like you're there. You know what I mean? Like, I bet they're being well, told not to say, hey, you're, you were doing this wrong. Well, home. you want to, though, as a broadcaster. You want to pretend that you're there and delivering the story. Um, you know, th- that, that's part of, the, that's part of the, the, the crap that goes on behind the scenes, though. It's, oh, just call off the monitor. No one will notice. But then you're getting stuff like he, this. Uh, Courtney chimed in with with Joe Bowen and says, "Oh, you got two of the three overtime goals wrong just this series." Don't get me wrong; I love Bowen, but it's a tough look. And so Bowen had to respond to that when the TV shot doesn't show that Tavares is celebrating because it was off him until well after the fact. It's rather difficult to make the call off a TV monitor. By the initial celebration, it appeared Morgan Riley had scored. My bad. <laughs> I just, I mean, is it really that much money to just travel them on with the team? They, to just the add athletic, them to the team, it would cost an estimated ten thousand dollars to send the broadcasters to road games during a seven-game series. But keep in mind, this is this is their first nineteen years, and they're doing this. Meanwhile, uh, in Boston, one of the biggest upsets happened in Florida, and it produced one of the worst play-by-play calls I've heard from Jack Edwards, or just period, the game-winning goal from the Boston Bruins' point of view where he compares this loss to the Hindenburg. On him. Verhage wins the series for Florida, and this joyride ends in a Hindenburg-like ending. The Bruins are the second record-setting team in a row to drop the series in the first round. So there's Jack Edwards there. I, I have searched to, to make sure that... Uh, I was going to say the same did thing. Did he have a stroke? Yeah, or is he ill in some way yeah. before I said anything? Uh, I mean, he sounds drunk while he's calling this. And, I mean, there are other stories where he's having to get with uh, Maroon and other things in the locker room over the course of the, of the season. It it's just has not been in the right direction with Edwards. But there, there is the, the game-winning goal in overtime that Boston Bruins fans tuned in to listen for as you know, they had Stanley Cup aspirations all year. 
That's bad. That was that was bad. Uh, the the first thing I, I had to search was Jack Edwards' illness before I said anything. It was a bad call, regardless. Um, there's a, a comedy bit from a stand-up comic, hilarious Brian Regan, about trying to pull words into your mouth after you started saying them, and he talks about seeing a woman who's a little bigger and assuming that she's pregnant and going up and saying, "When's that ba- baby?" And you can't bring the word "baby" back in as you're asking when the baby is due. That's what it reminded me of when he said Hindenburg. He starts to like pull it back in slowly as he's, it's another Hindenburg. It can't pull the word back in as he's saying it, knowing it's probably really dumb to say that in that moment. Yeah. That's, that's the sense. That's the vibe I got from that call from Jack Edwards. And the Bruins won 65 games in the regular season, first round playoff loss. Uh, That's definitely a, you know, hitting a wall moment uh, their, for that Their team. coach, by the way, had a much better response than Giannis did in terms oh, of... Oh, really? He asked, what word would you use to describe that? And he said, well, the bunch of words come to mind. Uh, disappointment. Surprise. Okay. You know, and he said, uh, I'm going to be very hurt for a while, but then we'll eventually look back and look at, you know, I like coaching this group all year. But, I mean, he said the first word was Disappointment about losing that game in that fashion and losing the lead in the third period late also. And they rallied during the series. Down 2-0, took a 3-2 lead, and then they lose there in Game 7. Coming up, Steph Curry did not go down in Game 7. Plus, our biggest takeaways from the NFL Draft. That's next.